Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to our final episode this week of Chasing Frets. I'm joined by Joe Gore. Hey, happy to be here. We are wrapping up our week with Daniel. It's been such an enlightening week just to hear. He's such a ball of positive energy to be putting out into the world. You know. Yeah, we, we've been uh, looking at him on video as well as audio, and he's just like humming. <laughs> that guy's. Yeah. That guy. That guy is Mr. Uh, Power Station. So uh, today's going to be more like a, a maybe like a typical guitar lesson, like what you might uh, do if you signed up to take a lesson with Daniel. And he kind of lays out his concepts and ideas about simply learning the major and minor pentatonic shapes all over the neck. And he has a very systematic way of working through them. And, and like you heard the other day, when he talks about non-creative and then creative practice, like divvying his practice time into those two buckets he really kind of puts that into demonstration on today's episode i mean i would i would go ahead and call this episode a lesson and uh it's aimed at that ever so tricky point in most guitarists development where you've gotten a little facility and you know you maybe can play some blues licks or blues scales but you still haven't got a complete command of the neck or to be able to play in any position or any fret and he gives some real good nuts and bolts advice about how to um how to get to that level it's good stuff all right so dig into this last episode we have this week with daniel donato and we'll be back next week all right daniel so when we were talking about possible topics for this week in our email thread you had this idea of wanting to talk about the yin and yang of major and minor All right. So tell us a little bit about your idea. So when COVID-19 pandemic set in and Nashville was put under a strict, you know, do not leave the house um, imposition, I went to the Wild West of Skype and Zoom lessons. And since then, I've done over 300 lessons with people. And uh, I've spoken a lot on the same question to a lot of people, which is, I love blues, I love rock and roll, but I'm stuck in a rut. And I feel like I can play minor pentatonic position one, and then I know the E and B string of position two, but everywhere from from fret 10 to fret 15, 17, I don't know where I'm going, right? And I get that. I get that so hard, man. I was trying to learn pentatonic scales when I was a kid, and I wrote Brad Paisley letters being like, dude, what are you doing on on this song? And of course, he never got back to me uh, because he was probably busy writing more hit songs, but... I think if you look at the the general landscape of music, there's only two kinds of songs, especially in Western music. There's major and minor. That's a little crazy if you think of it that way. There's really only two kinds of songs. 
That's a little weird. So if there's only two kinds of energies creating all these songs that we love, why wouldn't you want to have a complete control of the domain of those energies when it comes to improvising on the guitar? Because right now, everyone who starts guitar and loves blues really just leans towards one side of the scale. So if you think of it a teeter-totter, mm -hmm. it's just one person, and that's not very fun. You're going to teeter and no totter. That, that's half the fun. So you want to have complete understanding of major and minor. And the best way to do that is to start off with the pentatonic scale. Pentatonic, five notes. That's two notes less than your average mode and or major and minor scale. Pentatonic, five notes. So start off with the two biggest forces of energy that music can possibly hold for humanity, which is major and minor, and then apply those energies to the most basic scales possible, being the pentatonic scale. Right? And so if you approach practice with non-creative and creative intention, both, you can learn the rules non-creatively, and then you can learn to break the rules like an artist with creative intention. And that's where the magic starts happening. And that's where you can start playing for 10 minutes and you're flowing, my friend, and you're flying. So I love using the key of A for that, for that whole- People's um, key. Something about A that is just like vibrationally the perfect key for every guitar player. I do not know why. I remember the first time I ever played a lick that surprised me, it was in the key of A and it was. Here I was 12 years old, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, thinking, God, I'm, a, I'm really good. And it's like, nope, Chuck Berry did that before your dad was even born. So it was like, <laughs> okay. So take pattern one of, of a minor pentatonic. And this is gonna be hard to see when, uh, when you're not literally seeing because it's just audio. But um, check this out. A, C, D, E, G. Okay, those are the five notes that make it the pentatonic scale. So when I play this riff. Straight pentatonic, I literally just played five notes. Like if you would have gone to the grocery store and looked at the ingredients of that lick, it would have been A, C, D, E, and G. But it would, they were played in de several different variations. Um, so check it out. One, two, three, four, five. Keep going on the pattern. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. One. Okay. So check it out. One, two, three, four, five. Those are your five notes. That's where Hendrix made his legacy. That's where Jimmy Page made his legacy. That's where you can make your legacy if you know these five notes. Now you're playing them vertically. You're playing them from fret five to fret five. That's cool, but what if you try to play them horizontally? So that's me playing fret five, fret eight, five, seven, five. Now I'm gonna go five, eight, 10, 12, 15. Okay, now we're moving horizontally. Another yin and yang dynamic that's crucial to the understanding of the guitar is verticality versus horizontally. Now what we're gonna do here is we're gonna understand the guitar vertically so we can have freedom horizontally. So, okay. So let's just call the pentatonic scale numbers just for a second. One, two, three, four, five. Pattern one happens to start on one. Surprise, surprise. So what if I wanna go to pattern two? I'll start on two. And so I'm just gonna count to five Two, three, four, five. And then I need one more note in there. I need my one. So one. So the order of this pattern is going to go two, three, four, five, one. 
Now those are the notes. Two, three, four, five, one. Two, three, four, five, one. Two, three. Oh yeah. You guys vibe with that so far? Okay, so then we go to pattern three. Three, four, five, one, two. Three, four, five, one, two. Three, four, five, one, two. Okay, pattern four. Four, five, one, two, three. And then so on and so forth for pattern five. Awesome. You wanna do the same thing for your major pattern as well. So it's about knowing all five patterns of minor very well and knowing all five patterns of major very well. And if you want to understand where do I play major pentatonic in whatever key that I'm in, find your root. Say we're in the key of A, that's on fret five. Subtract the number three from it, go to two. That's going to be your relative. So basically you could say F sharp minor equals A major. We all know that, that's very basic. Now, this is where things start getting really cool. And this is where country music actually starts to become kind of a, um, uh, like a Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia closet to like this other world of playing music, where really all it is is just a great combination of major and minor. So if you were to think of like, um, check this out. Let's see right here, let me get my looper going. So say I've done all my practice and I understand where the minor pentatonic patterns are, all five of them, and I know where all the major pentatonic patterns are. I have this concept called proximity pentatonics where in any one fret radius, you have the absolute ability to go from major to minor, which like the biggest patterns that music holds. So let's say I have this loop going. Gonna go. Let's say I play something minor. That's pattern one of minor. Right on top of that pattern lies a major pentatonic pattern. Right on top of that is the minor. Major, minor, major. Now the thing that actually starts to make it sound musical is that you have no time in between the major and minor integration. So you can just go from major to minor, major to minor. I call it call and response. If you were to pull out your phone right now and you're using an iPhone, you'll see that a message comes in gray from somebody <laughs> and your message goes out blue, right? And so, unless you're colorblind like my dad, then I don't know what colors he's seeing. But someone, someone calls you, you respond to them. And so minor, major, minor, major. So think of it as a conversation. And I'm always thinking of the yin and yang of major when I'm phrasing. What did I just say? Was it a major phrase? Was it a minor phrase? So check it, minor. Major. Major. Minor. Major. Minor. Major. Minor. Major. Major. Minor. So you got to understand where all the majors are, where all the minors are, that's step one. 
Step two is knowing where they cross with each other, where they sandwich with each other, where the proximity pentatonics start to come into cohesion. That's step two. And then those are non-creative practices too. You just memorize those and then come to understand them and just do the push-ups, do the work. Run them with a metronome, do it every day. Keep track of how long you do it and where your BPM is. Once you understand them and you're bored with them, then you go to make music with them. You break the rules like an artist, right? So that's where I'm at with this still today. I'm thinking of new ways all the time of what did I just say was a major and minor and how do I make that more who I am, right? And if you want to hear about developing an identity, episode two of this podcast was perfect when we talked about ways to uh, develop your identity as a, as a musician. Um, when we talk about breaking the rules as an artist, I noticed you slipped some flat fives in there as well in your improvisation. So I look at this. So if you look at the pentatonic scale, aerial, like a bird, bird's eye view, say we're, say we're a bridge, the pentatonic scale. There's some wide steps in between the bridge. Have you ever like walked on a on a sidewalk and you try to not to step on the cracks? Mm-hmm. You just go from you go from concrete block to concrete block. You kind of have these wide, unnatural strides in your step, right? You wouldn't naturally walk like that unless you were in six foot seven, right? Which I'm assuming most listeners of this podcast are not six foot seven. And if they are, if Bill Walton's listening to this podcast, first of all, I'm honored. Yeah. But <laughs> two, you're probably not that tall. Um, <laughs> chromaticism allows us to have more of a natural stride within our steps while making music um, prover- in, in a proverbial sense, right? So um, literally it connects the dots in a much simpler way. You know, we don't have these wide Eastern sounding intervals. So check this out. I think of chromaticism in a very simple way. Say I take this major pentatonic phrase. Five, two, five, two, four, two, which sounds like an Almond Brothers motif. Because it is. <laughs> um, so, very simple. I can pretty much hit every note aside from the flat nine or, and or sharp one, and it will work. So, simple. That's like your Baskin Robbins vanilla ice cream. Now, if you want to add some toppings to that, It is that simple. And so all you do, and this is a technique that I use for anything that I learn on the guitar, is if you learn something on the guitar in fret five, fret two, then you need to also be able to play it on every other fret of the guitar in every other register possible. So, okay. Awesome. Right. That's the thing. So that's another concept too. It's it's um another yin and yang, which is wild, which is um explore versus exploit, um which is a psychological concept that we use for everything in all of our decision making processes. But basically, when you go to improvise over something, the reason why you don't truly love what you're playing all the time is because you already know you can do it, and you're not surprising yourself. That means you're in a constant state of exploit. It's all right to have some exploit, but you need to have some explore. Um, Explore usually means you need to be playing in parts of the neck that you're not fully comfortable with. And so I suggest taking something that you can play without even thinking about it. You just play it. Super simple. Six notes. 
and then play in every other part of the neck. So what you're doing is you're transferring comfort from one part of the neck to the next, and then from that part to the next, and ultimately you own all the real estate of the instrument, and you're conquering it uh, step by step, fret by fret. So... And then adding chromaticism in is, um, I understand why each note works in a modal sense, in a harmonic sense, but really you don't have to in order to play it. Um, I would hit every note that's not the flat nine. You know, you mentioned that I, I got to come to the defense of that old flat nine there. Please do. Jerry, pl Jerry played it all the time, but in one very particular way, just as a, you know, as a, as a descent from two to one. Yeah. Um, he, but you know, him and, and, I always wondered if he got that from Charlie Christian because Charlie Christian did that incessantly too. And that's the but thing too, you, right? You get flat nine all over the place, but in one very specific musical context. And I, that's the thing about music that I think when we get so into our own heads when we're practicing, we're like, people ask me like, what, what if they should, if, if like, um, if they start on an upstroke or a downstroke, I'm like, well, no one's ever going to hear that. Like never, no one's going to hear that. And it's important to, to, to have the charisma to care that much about your attention to detail. But ultimately music is such a subjective energy where it's like, of course the flat nine works, right? Oh, Steve Ray Vaughan hit that flat nine all the time. Isn't that weird how we all know a great amount of harmony and then someone like Steve Ray Vaughan comes around who doesn't and it's really the spirit behind it all that moves us? That's the ultimate thing people should be following and trusting. That's the hardest thing to see when it's not yet manifested and you've yet to fill that potential within yourself. And I'm still confused on that wildly. How do you develop, because you were kind of just playing over a vamp, but how do you connect it when you're trying to follow changes? Great question. So... Uh, disagreeable versus agreeable, which also manifests in the politically correct terms of music being consonant versus dissonant, right? And so inside, outside, some people might say as well. Um, he, he plays very inside. There's a lot of players in Nashville be like, he's very, he's very boring. It's like, no. People like Pete Anderson played Dwight Yoakam. Like, he's too inside. I hear people say that all the time. Like, what? <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> You write that riff and tell me you play two inside. Yeah, right. It's like, no. <laughs> um, so how to change keys? Again, inside versus outside, disagreeable versus agreeable. The major pentatonic is much more of an agreeable key uh, or uh, a mode of music than minor. Um, so in a great example, uh, key, uh, key of A. If I'm going to the four chord, A, B, C sharp, D, I just counted four letters upward, and therefore I landed on the four being D. You wouldn't believe how many people don't get that at first because they want music to be harder than it is because they think it should be. But it's very simple in that way. So one, two, three, four, I go to D major. If I want to go to D minor, let's analyze the notes that we have. We have an F natural. An F natural is going to really collide with, with an A major uh, sound. Uh, so it's a very disagreeable, dissonant, outside chord has that dis prefix on the front of it that's your red flag um that does not work over an a major it's very augmented and that's just a very hard thing to get in there if it's if it's a note that you're resting on for a good while um but you can rest on every note in the d major pentatonic very easily 
So. Your ear didn't intuitively say anything was wrong there. But if I were to go. That's all right. So I think major is the best way to start uh, trying to how, figure out how to play along to different key or chord changes. Um, I would just copy and paste uh, pe major pentatonic pattern one to every key po every chord change possible. So I'll do a vamp on, uh, I'll do a progression from A, D, E, five, A, two. Listen to it a minor. It worked, but it didn't work to the same 100% degree that all the major stuff worked, right? So it's really also about learning how to integrate those major and minor, that yin and yang very well. Uh, but the major is the best approach, I think, uh, just to, when it comes to playing over chord progressions at first. That is also if the chords are major. Can you demonstrate how to how to kind of move those chords without sliding to the same position up and down the neck, staying in one position on the neck? Absolutely, yeah. So that's going to require, the way I would go about doing that is, I like to call it mapping. Uh, it's a technique I got from uh, Satriani. Satriani, uh, Joe Satriani used to, said he would practice guitar without without left hand. Uh, so anything that he would go to learn, he would also just play it with his mind visually. Now, if you're into psychology at all, there's a concept known as mirror neurons, which if you were to think of a piece, think of a rotisserie chicken, you kind of, that is if you're a meat eater, you kind of start salivating a little. Uh, your brain doesn't quite know the difference. So you can actually kind of play guitar without playing guitar physically. Um, and so that's what I think he was getting at with mapping. And I love mapping. So I would, uh, I would do a thing where, Literally, again, it's that proximity pentatonic approach. So where in pe major pentatonic pattern one of A, do I also have major pentatonic pattern of D, which is kind of what you're asking? And where do I have E? Right? So that's a real thing. So I can go... Just playing the patterns. That's where I would go with that. And then if you can do that there, again, if you can do it in that one vertical place and you do it in the next vertical place and you do it over and over, therefore you have horizontal freedom. But the only way you can get that horizontal all over the neck freedom is to know and do your homework vertically. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, I have plenty to work on now, Daniel. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, it's been a great week. Yeah, yeah you're a re you're a really good teacher. <laughs> thank you, Joe. I mean, I've had you know I spent over 300 hours this year uh, talking to people, and it's helped me become enlightened on a new level on the guitar that I have. Uh, again, it's just it's beautiful, and uh, so I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to, uh, in the platform of, of, of what you guys do. I've been a, a fan for years <laughs> since you were in diapers, probably. 
<laughs> so uh, make sure to check out Daniel's new record. Uh, that's out everywhere you can. Uh, a young man's a country. Young man's country, wherever you can get stream streamable or physical music, and head to, head to his website. You can have more vinyl. Yeah, we have more vinyl for sale. Um, yeah, Robin Ford and I are autographing some of the copies, and uh, yeah, it came out on my own label, Cosmic Country Music, which I'm very excited about as well. If I if I um, order one, can you sign Robin's name, and Robin can sign your name? Boy, that's a sick, demented request, but I would love to fulfill it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Daniel. And uh, join us again next week here on Chasing Frets. Thank you, Jason. Mm-hmm.